This Tuesday, February 13th, NBA betting picks edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, February the 13th, currently 11.04 on the East Coast, here to get into our NBA betting picks for the Tuesday night card, and we'll recap what we saw in the association last night on Monday night. But joining me here to help me break it down on the Tuesday episode, as usual, you guys know him as the voice of the WNBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the NBA Gambling Podcast, of course, here, the NFL, and on the MLB, just around the corner is the MLB, the guy with the newest haircut. Maybe he has a big date tomorrow for Valentine's Day. Who knows? It's Scott Studio, right? Shell Scott, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Yeah, doing pretty well. Had a very good day on Monday, so can't complain. Ended up giving out a pick on the shorts that we do, so I ended up mm-hmm. having the uh, under- in PR for Aldama. That was never in doubt that got there. Uh, besides that, though, I had a fantastic couple days. Super Bowl worked out very well for me. And then yesterday, I won a decent amount of money. So can't complain. Uh, hopefully, it carries over into Tuesday. Yeah, we had a really good day on the pod yesterday as well. I know uh, you, myself, and Terrell were you know, texting back and forth. Some of the uh, plays that we did give out last night. Uh, I think overall we went three and one on our lock in dog. Uh, I know Terrell, I think he locked up Jazz, if I'm not mistaken. They fell a little bit short against the surging Warriors. Whether that he had the Bulls money line, and then I had the under in the Bucks and the Denver Nuggets game. That one was pretty much sweat free. Also, could have a, a Daniel Gafford ladder on his rebounds. Uh, I think eight plus was like plus one thirty, and then ten plus was like plus three sixty, something in that neighborhood. And then also mentioned the ten to one on I think it was thirteen to or thirteen plus rebounds for him, I believe. But nonetheless, a good start to the week here uh, on the pod. So hopefully, we can, like you mentioned, we can continue it on the uh, Tuesday card here. But last night, uh, pretty eventful night. Uh, to kick it off in the association. I know big controversy last night in the game between the Houston Rockets and the New York Knicks. We'll get to that one in a second here. But outside of that, uh, Scott, anything else surprised you around the association? Uh, Surprise. I'm trying to think of the, uh, well, the Sixers game was the most surprising. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that they were getting 11 and a half and they ended up showing up and having a nice game. They almost blew it. Late, but they held on to win. Uh, Buddy Heald looked great as he carried the team offensively for a decent portion of it. Then he fouled out, and Philly almost blew the game, but they did enough. Tobias Harris didn't even play. So they were missing yeah. a bunch of guys, and they ended up getting it done. That was the biggest surprise, so to speak. Uh, the Hornets traded away Gordon Hayward and became a decent basketball team, which I thought was <laughs> kind of interesting. Uh, but they ended up beating Indiana. Uh, besides that, though, Denver got killed on the road. I wasn't totally shocked about that one, though, because Denver's been a pretty underwhelming road team all season long. Uh, Golden State's been in good form, so good for them. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens moving forward. Uh, I'm not shocked at Atlanta loss because Atlanta is not a good basketball team. I was shocked at how good Minnesota was last night. Uh, they were fantastic. I watched pretty much all that game. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Paul George for getting three assists for me. 
But the point is, the Clippers just got buried in the uh, second half. They were absolutely dominated. And you're looking at uh, Minnesota with Gobert and McDaniels looking sharp defensively. Offensively, the ball movement was solid, and the Clippers had no answers. But I think that was the biggest shock to me, or one of the biggest shocks, was not the fact that Minnesota won that could happen in the NBA, but the fact that they blew out the Clippers in L.A. by 20-plus points in the second half. Mm -hmm. That was... They they absolutely smacked them, and I thought that was pretty shocking. Was the actual margin of victory? Yeah, uh, I think that was uh, for me. I think yeah, you mentioned the Sixers was really impressive. I mean, Tari Smacks has just been an absolute you know stud this season uh, for the Sixers. Now he's gonna have to step up even more with you know with Joel Embiid being out. But you know they, they picked up some guys at, at the trade deadline, like you mentioned, uh, Buddy Heald, and you know hopefully Joel Embiid can come back early. And I think we talked about it that if the Sixers can, you know, kind of keep the uh, the ship steady, um, you know, but by the time now and then with Joel Embiid potentially returning later in the season, that I think they could be okay going into the playoffs. But also, yeah, I mean, Minnesota last night just going into LA, I think that was really dominant. Defensively, this team is going to be a, a tough out. Uh, in the uh, in the NBA playoffs, uh, I know you and I have talked about some offensive concerns because they really don't have that many ball handlers and scores outside of Anthony Edwards, and you don't know what you're going to get at Cat. But at least for a regular season game, this was a very very impressive victory for uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. What kind of leads us the story of the night last night between the Houston Rockets uh, hosting the New York Knicks. Rockets got out to a fast start in that first quarter in the first half they were up by 14 i believe at the half fast forward towards the end of the game uh in the second half where the knicks outscored the rockets 60 to 48 but it came down to the final play where the knicks tied it up 103 and aaron holiday chucks up a attempt uh to win the game here for a bogus an absolutely atrocious foul call on Jalen Brunson uh, on that game or a potential game-winning shot there. Um, it was a lot of talk last night. I know when people were watching this live and, and on Twitter and when the pool report came out and Steve Javi saying that a foul should not have been caught a call there after the ball was released. It was incidental marginal contact. But I think, Scott, this probably went down as one of the worst calls in NBA history. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. It's one of the worst calls that I've seen in a long time. I'm sure I've seen worse calls here and there. The NBA has been yeah. around for a long time. That was an all-timer. Uh, last the game night. on the line, I think this was probably one of the worst. Yeah, the fact that decided the entire game, uh, it was tied. So I'm not saying the Knicks would have won anyway, but you had an mm-hmm. overtime shot at it and the Knicks were kind of robbed of that. They were pretty underwhelming offensively the entire game, but they found a way to claw They made the game interesting, and then, unfortunately, all their efforts meant nothing because they got the game taken from them. So I feel like, once again, it's a spot where the ref thought he saw contact. Honestly, I don't even care if he did or not. The guy's taking a one – he's taking a jump throw that looks like a Mahomes play from the three-point line, and he's just flinging it at the rim. Now, it was a smart play by Holiday. He got the rebound and realized, I got to shoot this thing. And then he tried to get the shot up, but it looked like he was using the offhand to shove off of Brunson to try to create extra separation so the one-handed prayer wouldn't get blocked. So at no point did it look like a foul to me. I thought it might have been an offensive foul, if anything, because Holiday looked like he kind of fended off with his forearm and then threw the ball up with the other hand. But 
that's a ridiculous call. Yeah. I didn't think it looked like a foul live. I don't know what Brunson's supposed to do defensively there, if you are going to call that. Uh, the Knicks had no challenges left, so they couldn't even challenge it if they wanted to. It just seemed like it was a call where the refs decided, and maybe it was because the Rockets dominated the free throws the entire game, and I think yeah. they attempted 21 more free throws despite getting out-rebounded by 12. It felt like the refs wanted to go home. And you hate it when that actually happens because that sabotages the good overall competitive nature of the game itself. It was a good game, and then suddenly the refs decided, you know what, i got to get out of here to beat traffic. And that's how the game ended. I'm not going to fully compare it to, do you remember that Braves-Pirates game from like 10, 15 years ago where the guy was out at home plate by like 20 feet and the re- and the umpire called them safe in like the 18th inning? And it's like, all right, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Like that was, it felt like that. The refs were just like, you know what? No, like I, I got I got dinner waiting for me at home. You know, the family's, you know, hoping I get back. Like, no, I, I got to get out of here. So it really seemed, I'd say, painful. I'm not even a Knicks fan, but I feel bad on their behalf. Like that was I don't know how yeah. you waste two plus hours watching that game. And then you just get screwed like that. I watched it. I saw the ending of the fourth quarter and yeah, it sucks. I don't have anything more to add. I thought it was an abysmal call, and I think that yeah. the outrage is warranted, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, the 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 city of Houston's not the greatest as far as things to do, but there's a lot of great restaurants. So maybe they had um, some dinner reservations to get to. They, they gain an hour, you know. Uh, yeah, not, yeah. Different time zones, man. Yeah, but I, again, I agree with everything that you said there. I think that you know everybody that was reacting on X. Um, Instagram over the news. I, th- I think they all agree that this was a bad call. And I think it also goes a step further that if, you know, and I tweeted this out is that if players are held accountable for some of their quote unquote comments in post, um, in the post game conference or antics on the court, like the league is never going to reprimand or, you know, hold the referees accountable because, and I said this, I think I said this in Discord, I said it on Twitter that. For the Knicks, that it could come down to a game or two in the win column between possibly having home court advantage in the first round, or you know when when it comes to playoff seedings, those win and losses may add up for them. So, and again, would go back to this game between the Rockets and and the and the and the Knicks here, where they absolutely blew this call in favor of, um, you know, in favor of the Rockets here. So, it also kind of goes back to the. The Bill Vinovich missed pass interference call between the Rams and the in the Saints. Oh, yeah. If you remember that in the uh, NFC Championship game, um, but again, I think there has to be some type of accountability for uh, for referees, not only in the NBA, but I think all, all across leagues. But I think yeah, we're both in agreement here as far as it was one of the worst calls we've seen in some time uh, in I, the I saw it uh, live. NBA. I mean, I, yeah. I was going around with video uh, on mm-hmm. Twitter uh, immediately after it happened, but. Yeah, I was scrolling through channels and I'm like, and I was actually sweating out Josh Hart uh, over eight and a half rebounds, and then he ended up mm-hmm. with ten. So I was yeah. like, all right, I'm invested. I'll watch the game, and then I saw it live. So it's one thing when you kind of hear a call or you hear about a call, uh, you know, after the fact, but watching it during, yeah, it was it was an all time bad call. That that was really bad. Yeah. Um, anything else from last night, Scott? We want to mention before we get into the games for tonight. Uh, yeah, Jordan Poole might be the worst player in the league. Oh God, I was watching that um, Mavericks game because I had uh, obviously the Daniel Gafford prop, but um, I double double. 
at 420. So that counts. Yeah, I, I think but, he had what seven, eight rebounds like in the first quarter. I mean, it was pretty much sweat free. One of I think our easier wins yeah. uh this season. But yeah, I mean Jordan Poole has just looked so bad uh for this um for this Wizards team. So I don't know if it's something that's between the ears that's going on or whatever the case might be, but it's I don't know what it is, man. He he just looks absolutely terrible out there. Well, I want to get your thoughts on this Mavericks team. I don't think you and I got to talk about. Um, you know, I know I think you and Terrell covered the post dread uh, uh, trade deadline stuff. But what are your thoughts on this Mavericks team that now they acquired Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington? Do you think they're a serious contender now, or do you think it's a lateral move for this team? So serious contender might be a bit of a stretch, but I do like what I'm seeing. If you want to make the argument that the Western Conference and the league in general is up for grabs because the Suns, we know, are underachieving. They just got Thaddeus Young. Good luck with that uh, to be a bench (laughs) player for you. Uh, But the point is you're just going down the line and you're trying to figure out which teams you fully trust in a playoff series. We know the Clippers have beaten the Mavericks on a couple of occasions in playoff series. They were competitive. Luka's numbers, though, are phenomenal against the Clippers. So you can argue that if Kyrie's healthy, the Mavericks can maybe match the Clippers offensively, and that mm-hmm. would be a series. Denver, I think Denver's weaker than last year. I still don't like their bench. I can't believe Denver didn't make any moves for their bench uh, before the trade deadline. I'm still yeah. shocked by that. But you can make an argument that every team is vulnerable. So if you think that there is a shot for a Cinderella-type team, a middle seed to make a dream run to a potential title, I'm not saying Dallas is good enough to fully get over the finish line. Can I see them making a solid run to a Western Conference Finals? Maybe if all the chips go well to an NBA Finals? Sure. I think that they're contenders to be a serious... I think they're a serious dark horse contender. Would I pick them to actually get the job done and win the whole thing? No. I still don't fully trust them defensively, but they got a lot better with the trade deadline. So that's how I'm going to look at Dallas. If they get out of the play-in, they're a team I definitely would not want to face in the first round. But I do think this team is probably going to fall short of a title. But would it shock me if they made it to a Western Conference Finals? No. I think this team is definitely better. I think that Luka can go head-to-head with any star player in the league. Kyrie in the playoffs has kind of been terrible the last couple of years, so we'll see if he can step it up. But in general, no. I like their overall roster. I like the moves they made. I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. There we go. Hey, man, shout-out to our guy, Jong. Jong gets us uh, a super tip. I think that's what it's called on YouTube. Um, he's asking about Sabonis's uh, assist here tonight. So we'll get to that when we get to the game, but I, I'll dig into that a little more. But hey, man, shout out to the tip. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see what we do. Maybe we start like a Vegas We need women's tennis we'll plays in the chat, Jong. We need women's yeah, there tennis plays. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, drop the queen plays if she's playing today or tomorrow, man. But hey, Jong, appreciate you, man. Uh, giving us the five dollar uh, dono here, so uh, we'll put it to good use. Hopefully, maybe that starts a tri- uh, trickle effect with some of the other listeners here, um, uh, Scott. But hey, appreciate you, John. Uh, maybe we'll use that towards Vegas or something, or or something along the lines. Maybe give it back to the listeners. We'll see what we do with it. But appreciate you, John. Uh, John is uh, the number one supporter across the SGPN, NBA, MLB. Talk about MMA. The guys always in there. Tennis. I know he's one of your guys as well, Scott. Uh, when he saw when you guys were talking about tennis in the Discord. So, John, appreciate you, my man. All right, Scott. Before we do get into the games here for tonight in the association, uh, let me tell everyone about. Uh, let me tell everybody a contest that's going on right now uh, this week 
For the Daytona 500, rev up those engines. NASCAR is officially back. Check out the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Rod Gomez and Cody Zeeb have you covered for all things NASCAR and racing. From trucks to cup, IndyCar to F1, the show gives you drivers to watch and the most profitable picks for the weekend of racing. Enter their free, 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 free Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win a $100 SGPN gift card and hundred dollars in cash all you gotta do is go to sports gambling podcast.com slash daytona again that's sports gambling podcast.com slash daytona and we're also brought to you by underdog fantasy underdog fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long nba nhl and college basketball simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players fantasy stats and cash in you can win 100x with some spicy plays stay tuned at the end of the episode Scott and I will put together an underdog fantasy entry here for tonight so you can watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN or NBA SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy. But make sure you use that promo code NBA SGPN. I really like, by the way, I, yeah. I forgot to mention one thing from yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to at least give a shout out to Wemby. Who had a triple oh, double yeah. blocks last night? I forgot to mention that uh, the rookie of the year race. I think he went from minus two seventy five to minus six fifty in one day. I can't really disagree with that. He probably should have already been at four to one. No offense to Chet. If Wemby stays healthy, it's over. Just throwing it out there. Like he's winning rookie of the year. It's gonna happen. Yeah. If you want to throw it in parlays, he can. If he plays the minimum re- requirement of games, he's winning. He should win. He's been incredible for a month and a half. A triple-double with blocks and like with eight minutes to go or so in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I had to mention that because that performance was insane last night. Yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon there getting the triple-double uh, with uh, with the blocks there. I know Hakeem got, got a, a quadruple-double um, with blocks. And I think, was it steals? I don't remember, but he had that way back when. But yeah, um, I think there was a point where you could have got down on Wimby Futures when they announced that they were not going to play him on back-to-back situations. We thought that he wouldn't meet that 65-game threshold. And then they later came out and said, I think the league probably cracked down on him and said, no, he needs to be out there. He's going to be the future franchise of this league. But yeah, uh, triple-double last night with blocks for Wimby last night. So I like uh, Scott mentioned that reflected in the rookie of the year odds there for the uh, award this upcoming season. All right. Let's get into the games here for tonight, Scott. Uh, some good matchups here tonight. Let's start here with uh, the Celtics. They are in your part of the world there. They're taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, currently, as it stands, the Boston Celtics are a nine-point favorite on the road here with a total of 228. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, start here with the road team. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is questionable here tonight. Xavier Tillman uh, that they acquired at the trade deadline will remain out at least through the all-star break for the Boston Celtics uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Pretty clean injury report. Only player that is going to be out is going to be Cam Johnson. I think this might be a good time, Scott, because I know the uh, Brooklyn Nets made a lot of moves or a couple of moves, at least at the trade deadline. And I'm not familiar who's in their starting lineup right now. So I'll go ahead and read these names off. That'll be their starting lineup. So, Right now, it's going to be Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, DFS, and Nick Claxton. I believe they'll have uh, Dennis Schroeder coming off of the bench, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the Brooklyn Nets there as well. But nonetheless, here, Scott, let's start with the side here. Boston, minus nine against the Nets on the road. So the issue with the Celtics is recently they haven't exactly been 
uh, great at you know covering decent sized spreads. We saw them yeah. almost lose to Washington over the weekend, and they were massive favorites there. The games have been close. They've won, but it's been close. The, the issue is the Nets never beat this team. I mean, looking at the head-to-head here, the Nets have lost uh, eight of the last nine regular season meetings. I said regular season. I'm not even including the sweep in the playoffs a couple of years ago. So the Nets have never beat this team, but I do wonder with Porzingis being out if there is value on the Nets. There might be. It's really a tricky spot for me, but I think I am going to lean to Brooklyn. Nine on the road feels massive to me for a team that has a hard time of even winning by double digits against the Wizards at home. I'm going to lean to the Nets plus nine. I'm not going to bet it, but I do think this is a lot of points to lay on the road. The Celtics don't really care about margin. They just want to win the games, and we know how much worse they look if Porzingis is out of the lineup compared to when he's in the lineup. I'm going to lean to Brooklyn. Are they going to win the game? No. Do I think they can hang in there and lose by six? Sure. I'll take the plus to nine. It's mostly not like in the current form of Boston when it comes to laying big numbers. Yeah, this is, uh, let me start with this, that the uh, Boston Celtics are three and nine against the spread in their last 12 games. But like you did mention, they are winning games. Uh, They're nine and three, in fact, uh, straight up in that span of their last 12 games. And this is a a home and home situation here. So the Boston Celtics, they're in Brooklyn here tonight. uh, And then they're going to go tomorrow night and they're going to play in Boston. Brooklyn's going to travel back to Boston and they're going to play them. So it's a home and home situation. So um, I'm, I'll lean here with the um, with the Brooklyn Nets here as well. I think that they, if they do keep it close in this game or potentially even win an outright, I think Boston then tomorrow at home comes back and and you know gives them the work. And I think that'll be the last game for the Boston Celtics tomorrow night before they come back uh, after the All Star break about a week later, uh, traveling to Chicago here. So uh, I, I think that at minimum we'll see a split here at least ATS wise. So I'll, I'll lean with the Brooklyn Nets here tonight. Um, And then I think tomorrow, if it's not a huge victory for the Boston Celtics, come back with the Boston Celtics tomorrow uh, on their home floor. Um, Total sitting at 228 here, Scott. Any thoughts on the total there? Uh, I think I'm going to lean to the under in this one. If I'm picking the Nets to cover, it's not because I really trust the offense. I just think the defense will look better uh, in this game. So... I don't think the Nets are a great offensive team, obviously. Uh, I think Boston's offense is solid, but they do rely pretty heavily on three-pointers, which mm-hmm. is a pretty high-variance thing to rely on on the road. I'm going to lean under. The sign feels a little bit high to me. Um, Yeah, I think I'm there with you on the under here. Um, can I see like a 118 or like 115, 109 victory here for the Celtics? Yep. Sure. Uh, something in that neighborhood there, so... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be on the under here as well. Uh, player props, anything you're looking at? Uh, for player props, uh, I do think if Porzingis is not going to play, that should result in more potential shot attempts for, you know, the usual guys, whether it's Tatum or Brown, maybe Derek White. It does kind of lead me to Tatum rebounds, though, in this game, if Porzingis is out. Uh, he's done a good job on the boards recently. The Nets, we know, can't rebound. And I'm not putting my faith in Al Horford. So if I'm picking somebody to rebound the ball, it's going to be Tatum. So I think Tatum rebounds if you don't see Porzingis. Or you can argue with Porzingis anyway, because he's not exactly a great rebounder for his size. I think Tatum rebounds is worth a look in this game. Maybe double-double. Yeah, I think that, yeah. Um, that's a good call that if one of those, or if KP, I think that KP may just sit here tonight. 
Um, I think he will. Yeah, and then he it's comes a, a back, back probably. Back. He'll play the home game tomorrow. Yeah, he plays tomorrow, and then he has an entire week off to you know uh, to rest and recover to start the quote unquote I guess second half of the season uh, for the Boston Celtics. So I think that they'll probably do it that way. Um, yeah, I didn't really look into any other player props. Maybe Schroeder coming off of the bench as far as assists goes. Um, I don't see that posted yet. Um, let me see what he did in this last game because I do it's remember. 15 and 12 in his first yeah. game with the Nets. Yeah, so I think that, again, if they're going to limit Ben Simmons' minutes here um, in this game, that Schroeder coming off of the bench. But it was against the Spurs, so I don't know how much I can take away from that. But I don't know if you want to play the revenge angle narrative here for Dennis Schroeder against uh, another former team, but I think that's on. Uh, in the in the deck of cards here for uh, Schroeder here, but yeah, I don't see it posted yet because he's going to be a guy that's coming off of the bench for uh, the Boston Celtics. All right, Scott, anything else for this game? No, I think I basically covered it. All right, next game on the board here. Let's go over to the game between the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are in Florida here tonight to take on the Orlando Magic. Currently, as it stands, the Thunder are a two and a half point um, road favorite here with a total of two twenty three. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, start here with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, if I can find it. Ah, there we go. Um, so Gordon Hayward is going to be out through the All-Star break. Uh, Keontae Johnson is on a two-way deal with the G League, and that is pretty much a significant injury for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't see an injury report submitted yet for the Orlando Magic. Uh, I don't believe they played last night either. Yes, they didn't play last night, so I don't know why they're not posted yet. Let me refresh the page and see if there is one. But I know they've been pretty healthy um, over the last couple weeks here. So let's start with the side here. Scott, minus two and a half in favor of the Thunder on the road in Orlando. I think for this one, I'm going to lean to OKC. It's a bit tricky because we know Orlando is a very good defensive team in general, but my concern is with the offense or the lack thereof for Orlando. I just think Oklahoma City's got too many high-quality scores, and when you're looking at Shea, you're looking at Jalen Williams, who's been phenomenal all season long, who should be an all-star at some point in the future. I'm not sure when, but he probably should be at some point. Uh, Chet has still been good. Once again, Wemby's gone to another level, but Chet's been no slouch in his own right. They just have a lot of options, and it feels like Orlando is still overly reliant on two guys. You need Paolo, and you need Wagner to do basically everything offensively for this team. I just think OKC is better. I think it's going to be a close game because we know that uh, Orlando is a solid team at home. They're 17-7. and OKC, those 15-11 and straight up on the road, so they're not exactly a bad road team. They're just better at home. I think think I have to lean OKC. I think Shea's the best player on the court. I think that looking at the rest of the actual rosters, you can make an argument that Orlando's offense late in games still is a bit stagnant. That's not the case with OKC. And with the rosters, I don't think that Orlando has enough complementary scoring options to get by. So I'm going to lean to OKC. I think OKC is the better team, and I don't think it's that close. So I'll lean to OKC. I get it's on the road, might be close, but I'm going to lean to OKC to win this by about five, give or take. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I think these have been two of the better teams at home uh, this season. And Orlando, what is 17 and seven straight up, 17 and seven against the spread. Um, they have won three straight home games and covered three straight home games as well. 
against the Suns, the Spurs, and the Chicago Bulls. And in a case where they are a home underdog, I want to see how they've done in that span. Eight and five straight up, nine and four against the spread. I think I'm going to go back to the magic in the first half uh, of this game. Um, I think they come out here out of the gate here. I think they can play some, you know, good basketball, but like you mentioned that SGA is definitely going to be the better player or the best player on the floor here. But I think this is a game where I think the magic can have success on the boards, right? I know we've talked a lot about that. These thunder don't really have that inside presence or that true rebounder still on this team. But when you have to go up against a guy like Paolo Pancaro, Wendell Carter, Jr., Franz Wagner, uh, those guys, uh, Goga Bataze coming off of the bench. Those guys can rebound the basketball. I think they can create some second chance opportunities here for the magic. So I think that may be a difference in this game here. So I'll lean first half magic also leaning with the magic in the full game here as well. Um, total sitting at two twenty three here. Scott, any thoughts on that? Uh, it's pretty tricky because Orlando, we know is a very defensive team, but we know, okay. is a very offensive team. So I think I'm going to lean to the under, I don't feel great about it, but I'm not saying this game's going to be easy for OKC. So I do think that Orlando will try whatever they can to slow the pace down because I don't mm-hmm. know why they'd want to get into a track meet voluntarily with OKC. Yeah. I'm going to lean under first meeting landed to 12, uh, which the Thunder did win by 12 back in January. I'm going to lean under. It's not exactly a strong opinion, but I do think that Orlando should try to dictate the pace, turn into a half-court battle, which should result in less possessions. I'm going to lean to the under. Yeah, both these teams are below league average as far as pace goes over the last five games. Um, Thunder are number 18, and then the Magic are playing at the third slowest pace over the last five games as well. So, um, And then defensively, the Orlando Magic, I believe, are right around, let me see here. Yeah, they're top 10. All right at number 10, exactly, uh, as far as defensive rating goes over the last five games as well. So, yeah, I, I think that if the Magic can dictate the pace here, I think that this should be a lower scoring game. Uh, I do. Uh, I'll play the under in this game here as well. Any player props you're looking at? Yeah, I actually am looking at Markel Fultz over 10.5 points and rebounds. He's gone over this number in eight of the last nine games he's played in. And you're looking at just his recent performances, the amount of minutes he's played. He's usually in the mid to low 20s, so he might once again have to make a decent contribution with a limited number of playing time. But OKC is not a good rebounding team, and I think Fultz can capitalize on that. If you want to blindly just take the rebounds at two and a half, I mean, it's two and a half and minus 148, which I do like. He's gone over that in five of the last six. In fact, he's had at least five rebounds in each of the last two games. So maybe Fultz rebounds is worth a look. I don't mind the points and rebounds, but I do think that he's in line for what should be a good game. He had 19 PR in the first game against OKC this season. His line's at 10.5. Give me Fultz over 10.5 PR. Uh, I like that. Um, looking at Paulo's rebounds in this game, it is at 7.5 towards the over at plus 110. Uh, three matchups in his career. Uh, against the Magic, and he's had at least eight rebounds in uh, each of those three matchups. If you want to look at it that way, I'm curious to see what Wendell Carter Jr. has been doing lately. Um, let's see here. So, last five games, he's averaging eh, 28 minutes, only 6.2 rebounds. He's only had one double-digit rebounding game over the last 
uh, excuse me, five games, which was against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. So in not much there for me. So yeah, I'll be on Paulo's rebounds here over seven and a half at plus odds here. Uh, anything else for this game, Scott? Oh, uh, no. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. I saw Boncaro assists is pretty tempting, but I don't think I'm going to get there. Uh, I already mentioned Fultz. I think Jalen Suggs would have a decent game, too, because uh, we know mm-hmm. OKC is not exactly a great defensive team. But do you like Jalen Williams in this game? Do you not like Jalen Williams in this game? Any thoughts? I think you have. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you don't have to like him, but I think that obviously he's their second best scorer. Um, he's averaging, what, 21 points over the last five games. Did have six. What's his uh, points prop at? 18 and a half. Yeah, that number kind of feels spot on for him, but he's had at least 20 points in for the last five games. The only game where he didn't get there was against the Dallas Mavericks, which was a blowout loss where he did go four of 10 to finish the game with nine, um, nine points in that game. He's been sneakily good uh, on his assist prop as well. Um, that number right now is at four and a half at plus 105. Last five games, he's had at least five assists, but over the last two games, he had seven against the Mavericks, and he had nine against the Sacramento Kings. So it's another uh, plus odds right now, currently over on DraftKings at plus 105. If you want to play Jalen Williams, maybe points and assists to go over or assist alone, I think that that might be a good look here uh, for Jalen Williams here tonight. Um, All right, Scott, before we get over to the next game on the schedule here, let me tell everyone about our friends. Over at Hall of Fame Bets, win bigger by betting smarter this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets, a sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tools to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot. And which picks have value? Stop betting in the dark and jo- stop betting in the dark and join over thirty thousand users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get fifty percent off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game on the schedule. Here we'll go over to the game between the Miami Heat against the Milwaukee Bucks. Currently, as it stands, the Bucks are a eight-point favorite in this game with a total of 223. Looking at the injury report here for the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler is going to be out for personal reasons. Uh, Josh Richardson is also out for this game. Duncan Robinson is questionable. Terry Rozier is going to be out for this game here as well with a right knee sprain. For the Milwaukee Bucks, they did play last night. Uh, like we talked about against the Denver Nuggets and won in blowout fashion. I'll quickly look at uh, some of the minutes that was played by the starters here for the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, the two players that played the most minutes were at 30 minutes each, which was Giannis and Malik Beasley. Uh, Dane played 23 minutes, Brooke Lopez 29, Jake Crowder 23, Bobby Portis 25 off the bench, uh, Pat Beverly 20, and Pat Covington 22. So, um, not a lot of heavy minutes logged for this team because they were in control for most of that game there for the Milwaukee Bucks against the Denver Nuggets. So I do expect um, at least most of the guys to be out there against this, uh, in this game, at least against the Miami Heat here. So, Scott, let's start with the side here. Bucks minus eight at home hosting the Miami Heat. Yeah, the issue I have with the Heat in this game is the fact that they're missing so many guys. Uh, Butler yeah. is going to be out to the All-Star break because he had a, he had a death in the family. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Rozier got injured. I think he had an ankle sprain, so he's going to be out for a while yeah. as well. 
I don't think Miami has that much talent on the roster, uh, but when Milwaukee ended up burying Denver yesterday, they got to rest some of the starters, so I do think they should be not really feeling many effects from the back-to-back. But I'm going to lean to Milwaukee. Uh, I know that this team is uh, just a, a kind of extreme. They're, re- they're really annoying to back. I mean, they're a head yeah, case team, but tough. I do think Miami only having Bam and Hero is not ideal, and I think I'd rather take Milwaukee in that aspect. Uh, historically speaking, Bam has had mostly average games against Milwaukee. I know it was good against them in their first meeting the season, but I just think Milwaukee's the better team. I think it makes sense why they're favored uh, by this amount, but without Butler, without Rozier, I just question if Miami has enough. You can argue, on the other hand, it's a classic Spolster get-up spot where they're disrespected, the lines are big, and they'll find a way. I'm going to lean Milwaukee, though. I think that after beating Denver, some confidence will roll over into this game. Miami might be waiting for the All-Star break at this point when you're missing mm. that many guys. But yeah. without Rozier and without Bowler, I don't know if I can actually trust her offense. I'm going to lean to Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee this season on back-to-backs are 7-2 and two straight up, 4-4-1 uh, four, four and one against the spread, 6-3 and three towards the over. They're averaging 127 points in that span. But I think, I think that's something that's possibly in the past now because you have a new regime with, you know, Doc Rivers and implementing his defensive and offensive game plan, um, you know, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, people want to talk about maybe the revenge angle here for the Milwaukee Bucks getting eliminated by the Heat in the playoffs last year. Um, This is going to be the third matchup this season between these two teams and the Milwaukee Bucks have won both of those games uh, rather, I mean, right by this number, they won um, at home. 122-114, 122-114, and then they won in Miami, 131-124, uh, when that game where that was a seven-point spread, and they won exactly by seven. So they've been hovering around this number, um, have the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, curious to see if Jimmy Butler played in those games or not. Let me see if I can pull that up or not. But I think my more favorite play, I'm leaning here with the Bucks here as well. Um, like you mentioned, that's something to build off of what you know transpired last night in their home game against the defending champs in the Denver Nuggets. So that gives kind of sense of confidence here. Um, and also, like we talked about, the Stars didn't play a lot of minutes, but I think they've really improved defensively has this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team. So I possibly look at a Miami Heat team total to go under uh, in this game. Right now, that number is sitting at 107.5. When we talked about with all the injuries right now to the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler being out and Terry Rozier going down with an injury, you're really heavily relying then on, like you mentioned, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Jaime Jaquez. I know he's been really good this season for them as well. And after that, it's just a significant drop-off for this Miami Heat team. So I think the Milwaukee Bucks will put the clamps down on this team here tonight against the Heat. So I'll lean here with the Milwaukee Bucks on the spread here, but I am going to play the Miami Heat team total to go under in this game uh, at 107 and a half here. Scott, do you have any thoughts on the team totals or the full game total? Yeah, I have a hard time back in Miami's total uh, to go over, uh, especially without Bowler and without Rozier. I'm trying to think who needs to step up to go over. Bam, but you're still dealing with Giannis and with Lopez, so I'm not sure if that's a good spot for Bam anyway. Hero is going to have to have a monster game, and you're going down the line. Does Miami have a great bench? Not Really? I, I mean, they got a couple of veterans, but they're not guys I trust to light up a score sheet. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would lean to the Heat team total under, and I think you'll probably see a lopsided game, in my opinion. Um, any player props you're looking at? 
Uh, for player props, I got to try to figure out who's going to try to step up for Miami. I do think I have to be tempted by Hero. Uh, I don't know what aspect of it do I want, though, because the unders for Hero have been good recently. But without Butler and without Rozier, I got to assume Hero is going to handle virtually all of the ball handling responsibility. So I think that he's probably in line for a decent workload here. Uh, the problem is for Hero, his PRA is already set at 35 and a half, 34 and a half. So that's already been kind of inflated. Do you yeah. think he's going to have a monster game? Because on one hand, it feels like it's already inflated. But on the other hand, I'm not sure who else is going to handle the ball. Yeah, I think for the, I think it's for like the matchup perspective, like who's going to be guarding Tyler Hero tonight? Is it going to be Jay Crowder? Is it going to be, obviously it's not going to be Dame because he'll just get lit up if it's Dame guarding him. I mean, is it going to be Giannis? I mean, who's going to be guarding him? I think is my my question in this game here. Um, and is it even Beverly? You know, I mean, he's a pest, but he's coming off of the bench for them right now. So I think if it is Jake Crowder that's guarding him or even Malik Beasley, I think that he could be limited in this game. But I think just off of pure shot volume uh, for Tyler Hero, especially with the injuries that we did talk about, that he could possibly get there. Or it could just be a fact where, hey, you know, we're going to try to double team Tyler Hero and let somebody else try to beat us if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and their defensive game plan here. So. I think I would stay away from it, but I think I would. I couldn't talk you off of the over just because I feel like he will get the shot volume up just because he's right now, like we mentioned, with all the injuries that he is pretty much going to have to be the offense for the uh, Miami Heat. I think I was watching that game on Saturday against the Boston Celtics. Like he was like chucking up threes, like it was nobody's business trying to get him back to that game because he did have 21 shot attempts in that game, and 12 of those 21 shot attempts came from beyond the three point line. So if you want to trim it down and look at a three-point prop maybe for Tyler Hero. I would look at it that way as well. But um, And that number right now is at, yeah, it's been adjusted three and a half at plus 114. So, I mean, I, I would look at the over because I just feel like he is going to be, the usage rate is number one is going to be up and the shot volume is going to be there for man the minutes played if, in case it doesn't turn into a blowout. Yeah, I agree. Anything else for this game? I uh, thought about maybe Giannis rebounds at 11 and a half. I know he had, what, he have 18 last night, I think. Who did? I'm sorry. Uh, Giannis. Giannis last night finished the game with 36 points and 18 rebounds, five assists, yep. yeah, three steals and two blocks. Yeah, his line's at 11.5 for rebounds. I don't necessarily mind it. Uh, Bam, we know, can be hit or miss when it comes to rebounding, but I don't really trust any of uh, Miami's other guys. Do you like Giannis rebounds there? He's off an 18 rebound game. Maybe a blowout might ruin it, but do you think 11.5 feels a bit low? Yeah, um... Um, I I wanted to get there with his points, but it's at 30 and a half. But I think in back-to-back games against the Heat, he's put up 33 points each. And in those games, as far as rebounding, he's only had seven and 10. Um, the last three games, as far as rebound goes, um, at least this season, I should say, uh, he had seven rebounds and 10 rebounds. And then prior to that, he had last season, March 2nd, 17 rebounds, 15 back last year. On February 4th, he had 15 rebounds. And there was a game, I think, like two weeks, three weeks later, where he only played six minutes. I think he left with an injury in that game. But he did have four points, four rebounds, and four assists in just six minutes alone. So um, I would probably stay away because I feel like this could turn into a blowout as well. But yeah. he is a guy that in 30 minutes could get you 
like he did last night, 36 points. And he's done it more times than not against the um, the Miami Heat in his career. All right, let's get over to the next game on the schedule here. We'll go over to the West Coast now. We got the Minnesota Timberwolves fresh off of their victory against the Clippers on Monday night. They are traveling up to Portland to the Northwest. Take on the Blazers. Currently, as it stands, the Timberwolves are an eight and a half point road favorite here with a total of 214 and a half. Uh, looking at the injury report for the Portland Trailblazers, the are going or they are going to be without Malcolm Brogdon, Moses Brown, Shaden Sharp, and Robert Williams III. Questionable tags on Scoot Henderson. Um and two guys that are in G League, so I'm not going to mention their names. And that is pre- uh, Anthony Simons is probable here tonight as well. So um, some questionable tags here, a couple guys that are out for this game. Minnesota last night, as far as guys that played a minute, let's see uh, their minute distribution from last night. Uh, give me a second here. I'll pull up their box score from last night. Um, let's see here. All right, so Anthony Edwards last night played a team high, or sorry, uh, 32 minutes. Rudy Gobert played a team high, 33 minutes. But outside of that, 27 for Carl Anthony Towns, 24 Mike Conley. Jane McDaniels played 25. Nas Reed, 27. So something similar to the Bucks last night, where a lot of those guys didn't have to play in that fourth quarter uh, because they did take care of business here. So I do expect those guys to be out there in this game against the Portland Trail Blazers. Um Scott, let's start with the side here, man. Minus eight and a half in favor of the um, Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, so once again, props to the Minnesota for having such a good showing last night against the Clippers. But do I want to lay eight and a half in what could be a letdown spot? Probably not. I I think I'm going to lean Portland in this spot. Uh, I know that Portland's been banged up, but I do think Simon's going to play. We'll see if anybody else is going to be missing. But Grant's healthy. I know he had 49 against the Pistons. They still somehow lost that game. Doesn't this feel like a very good spot for Minnesota to be a little bit uh, pleased with themselves after what happened against the Clippers and they just no-show a game against a bad team? They're on the road. They're on a back-to-back. I know that it's obviously a better team, and it's not even close. I, I, I get it. I get it that Minnesota is the much better team, but I don't like the scheduling spot. You had a big game on the road against a title contender, and you smacked them. And I come back the day after on the road against the bottom feeder. I think the effort is not going to be there. So I'm going to lean to Portland. I think Portland finds a way to make this interesting. If they won the game, I actually wouldn't be shocked. Uh, But I do think I'm going to take the points here. I really don't expect Minnesota to put together the greatest effort after what they showed last night. So it might just be a spot angle, but I am going to lean to Portland plus the points. So this is a two-game set uh, between... uh... Minnesota and Portland here. So they'll play here tonight and they'll play again on Thursday uh, in Portland again uh, before the all-star break. So I think that this could possibly be the spot for them where it is a letdown spot. They'll get a day off in Portland and then come back before the all-star break and and take care of business and and go into the all-star break with a victory because coming out of the all-star break, they'll play the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, at home, they start a I think it's a seven game homestand for the Minnesota Timberwolves at home uh, after these two games against Portland in Portland. So, yeah, I think that what you said there made a lot of sense on back to back situations uh, this season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are three and two straight up two and three against the spread. 
and they are four and one towards the over uh, in those spots here. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense about what you said. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll lean here with Portland here as well. Jimmy thoughts on the total in this game at two fourteen and a half. If I'm picking Portland to win, I think I have to lean or picking them to cover the spread. I think I have to lean to the over in this game because I don't mm-hmm. trust Portland to get any stops. So I'm going to lean over. I know the first game ended up going under because Minnesota buried Portland early January by 23. But I think I'm leaning over. I just think that this line's a bit short for Portland being involved. Offensively, they're not great. They had a very low-scoring game against the Pelicans a couple days ago. They also haven't played in basically two, three days. So I don't know if that really matters too much. But I am going to lean to the over. Minnesota, even if I am wrong, has scored at least 121 in three straight games. So they have been scoring it. I just think this line's a bit too short. I'm going to lean to the over. Yeah, two, um, a two-day rest advantage for the Blazers in this game. Um, and like we mentioned, like Minnesota didn't play uh, or did play last night in LA. So a little bit of a rest advantage here for the Portland Trail Blazers in this game. Uh, player props, anything you're looking at? Uh, for player props, uh, it's really difficult for me to find much I like. Gobert's in a good rebound spot, but of course, with Gobert, that means I'm not taking it. Uh, so yeah. I can't do that. Aiden a 13 and a half. I mean, I expect Gobert to put him in a box, but the question is, can Aiden hit enough mid-range jumpers to go over? I'm not going to assume that. Um, I mean, the points are pretty much going to come entirely from Simons and Grant. So if you want to take yeah. one of those two, I don't mind it. Uh, but I don't really have much, to be honest. I don't mind Mike Connolly under points at 9.5. He just doesn't shoot the ball enough, and I did end up cashing the under with him yesterday against the Clippers. He had 5 points, but he's had less than 10 points in 4 or 5, less than 10 points in uh, 12 of the last 17. So Connolly points have just not been there, simply put, and he's on a back-to-back. He's an older guy. I'll link to Connolly under 9.5 points. Yeah, I like that angle. Uh, I, I mean, I think you mentioned it as well that the points are only going to come from Simons and Jeremy Grant. They're both at 21 and a half here for tonight. So maybe look at Jeremy Grant uh, on his uh, points prop there. I don't hate that. But other than that, they only have Simons and Grant listed right now as far as player props for the Portland side. Um, 14 and a half. I mean, again, I mentioned this yesterday for Rudy Gobert. That was a good spot for him to get the rebounds. Obviously, it turned into a blowout, but I think that that game was a little bit closer. Uh, he definitely would have got over his rebounding prop yesterday. I think it was at either 12 and a half or 13 and a half. But historically, he's done really well rebounding the basketball against the Portland Trail Blazers. It's just the last four games alone 20 rebounds, 12 rebounds, 15 rebounds. And then a matchup earlier this season, he had 24 points and 17 rebounds in just 28 minutes. Um, for the Minnesota Timberwolves here. So, again, I'm not playing it because anytime I do play a Rudy Gobert prop, uh, he always either uh, falls way short or it will get ejected in that game. So uh, uh, we'll recommend it, but I'm definitely not going to be on Rudy Gobert because he is my kryptonite. Anything else for this game here, Scott? No, then we basically covered it. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night, which I forgot to do a banner for here. So let me do one quickly. Uh, we've got the we've got the Sacramento Kings. They are in Phoenix here tonight uh, to take on the Suns. Looking at the line right now, the Suns are a five point favorite in this game. With a total of two forty five in this game. 
looking at the injury report for both of these teams, start here with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Chris Duarte is going to be questionable for this game. He's dealing with a right ankle sprain. Uh, and then they will be without the EuroLeague MVP, I believe. That's uh, Sasha Vinzikov. Uh, if I'm saying that correctly, he's dealing with a ankle sprain. So he will be out for Phoenix. Uh, pretty clean injury report. Bradley Beal is available to play in this game. Only person that is out for the Phoenix Suns is going to be Damian Lee. He is uh, recovering again from a right meniscus surgery. Um, so relatively healthy squads here between the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns here. Uh, Scott, let's start with the side here. Phoenix Suns minus five hosting the Sacramento Kings. I think I'm going to lean to Sacramento in this. I don't feel great about it because they've been really bad defensively lately. Uh, gave up 127 to OKC, 133 to Detroit, and 136 to Cleveland. But they've been good against Phoenix. They should be 3 now. Uh, the only time that Phoenix beat them was when they came back from basically 20 down in the final five and a half minutes, six and a half minutes. But they've been very good against Phoenix. Phoenix has a hard time staying in front of these guys, and that has been an issue all season long. I'm going to take the points. Anytime a team should be 3 0 in the head to head and they're getting five and a half in the spot, I think the line is a bit too large. Phoenix defensively, we know, is not a great unit. They've been better recently. They're yeah. off of the heartbreaking Steph Curry game winner on national TV on the 10th, but I am an only to the Kings plus the points here. The head to head games have been pretty favorable to Sacramento, so I'm an only to the Kings. Yeah, I like Kings in the spot here as well. I think this might be a stretch. Uh, too many points here for the Kings. Uh, sorry, for the Suns laying the number here. I think, like you're right, it's a bit of a concern of the Kings defense in this game, especially going up against the three-headed monster in this game with, in the Phoenix Suns with Beal, Durant, uh, and Devin Booker. But I think that I think the pace that the Kings do play out kind of gives the Suns a little bit of a trouble. Um, I know all three meetings have gone under the total here, but... Um, we'll talk about total in a second here, but I think both Scott and I agree on the uh, Kings side here. Kings, um, you know, they've been playing better basketball. I think the thing for them is that they've been able to kind of figure out number one, the rotations, and they had guys coming in and out of the lineup as far as injuries as well. But I think that you're right that from a matchup perspective, I think that the, the, the Kings give the Suns fits for whatever reason, and maybe it's the pace of play that they play at. Uh, against the Suns, but whatever the case might be, um, they should be three and zero, like Scott mentioned, the Kings against the Suns. But again, three and zero against the spread are the Kings uh, this season against the Suns. The under, like I mentioned, is three and zero, but it is averaging two hundred forty-one points per game uh, in that span. So, Scott, over to the total here, sitting at two forty-five. Any thoughts on that? I think I am an lean under. I understand why there's been money on the over and why it's going up because we know the Kings play with a lot of pace and the overall talent in this game offensively is undeniable. Having said that, all three meetings have not been close. So to this total, I, I think the line's too high, 245 and a half. You haven't even gotten one meeting in the 240s yet. So I'm going to lean under. The head-to-head kind of speaks for itself, and the only time the one of the games went over, it was because Phoenix scored 20 points in basically half a quarter or in five minutes or so, and when they came back and they ended up beating Sacramento. I'm going to lean under. This line feels too big to me. Uh, if you face off three times and no meeting went above 236, I'm not going to take 245 and a half. I'm going to lean under. I think the only concern that I have about taking in under is 
these two teams are playing at a really fast pace uh, over the last five games, right? Uh, um, Phoenix is tied at number two with Atlanta, and then Sacramento's at number five um, as far as pace goes. And then offensively, um, Phoenix is at number nine, Sacramento's at number 11. And uh, defensively, like you mentioned, Sacramento has been really bad. They're bottom four as far as defensive rating goes over the last five games. And Phoenix has been doing pretty well defensively. They're actually number eight as far as defensive rating goes over the last five games as well. So a lot of those things that I look at when playing in over kind of gives me a little bit uh, of a pause. Or sorry, um, playing the under gives me a little bit of a pause, but I see one team that's struggling defensively, but also pace of play uh, as well, where both these teams are top five as far as pace over the last five games. And maybe if you want to look at a first half over, and maybe the pace slows down a little bit uh, in the second half, and things tighten up a little bit defensively, uh, I think that might be an angle. I'm trying to see what the first half totals have looked like for both of these teams this season. So um, I'm going to turn this down to over the last 10 games. Uh, Sacramento 7-3 and three over the last 10 games in the first half over. Phoenix is right at 5-5, five and five, so maybe not much there. So I think the first half over I'd be comfortable with, um, and then the things kind of tighten up in the second half for both of these teams here. So I'll look at it that way. Player props, um, Jong asked about Sabonis assist in this game here. Scott, let's start there, and then we'll give out our player props. So eight and a half is a number for Demonis Sabonis. It's at minus 140. you have any thoughts on Sabonis' uh, assist here tonight? Uh, Sabonis has done quite well against Phoenix in the past, so I'm not going to get in the way of that handicap. Uh, he's gone over eight and a half in four of the last five games he's played in. Going through the head-to-head, I believe, he had a did he have a triple double last meeting or two meetings ago? I'm trying to remember. Both meetings, actually. Both meetings. Okay. So I yeah. knew it was one or the other, or it was not. It was both. So yeah, it's tough to go against the guy with eleven plus rebounds in each of the last two meetings, nine plus rebounds in three of the last four. I am not gonna get in the way if you want to take an over on Sabonis rebound. Uh sis, I mean, the only problem is that it is at minus one thirty nine, minus one forty, give mm-hmm. or take. I still like the over. I'm assuming you agree. I don't know how I'm supposed to take it under when he's at 11 plus in back-to-back meetings. Yeah. Um, Again, back-to-back meetings, like we mentioned, triple-double against the Suns, and he's had double-digit assist in four of the last five meetings as well. Um, So if you want to play assist alone, if you want to pair that with the rebounds, I can uh, fault you for that. Uh, If that number's around 20 and a half, that pretty much is indicating that he'll probably end up getting a triple-double here tonight um, for the... Sacramento Kings quickly. Let me see if I can find that number. So he's at plus 135 for a triple double. Um, and if you want to go, excuse me, assists and rebounds, um, that number is at 22 and a half. So I think they're expecting a bigger rebounding game here for Sabonis here tonight. But I think there's some value there on that on that triple double at plus 135 for a Sabonis, like we mentioned in two meetings this season against the Suns. He's gotten it done as far as a triple double. And then he's had a triple double in, let's see, what, four of the last five games as well. Um, has Sabonis. So, yeah, I think that's worth uh, definitely a look. Um, outside of Sabonis, Scott, any other player props you're looking at? I thought about maybe fading Grayson Allen, uh, but I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to do it or not. Uh, his points and rebounds is set at 14 and a half. He's gone under in each of the last eight games. So, I think that's kind of appealing uh, if I was mentioning one obscure role player. The problem is he absolutely killed Sacramento the last time they played, and he had 29 points. So that's kind of the only concerning part, unless you want to chalk it up to an outlier, and he's going to bounce back to regression uh, with a pretty average at best performance here. 
Nurkic rebounds has been good recently, but against uh, Sabonis, they're probably going to battle on the board. So I don't know if I actually like that that much. I don't know if I really have much player prop wise. Like I want to make a case for some guys. Fox has been good against the Suns, but he's just been really bad lately. So I can't really trust Fox. He's been pretty underwhelming uh, pretty much for the last month. He hasn't yeah. been very good. So I don't know if I want to back him. No, I don't think I really have much. Uh, I thought about maybe making a joke and taking a Harrison Barnes under. I didn't mention it, so it's going to cash, but I'm not going to give it out. I don't have much, though. You? I, want, I thought if Durant was around 25 and a half points in this game, I would have taken the over. Uh, it is, I mean, a total, it's not... With a total of 245 and a half now, that was, that was going to be like 28, 29 automatically. Yeah, it's, it's at 26 and a half actually right now, and he's actually gone over 26 and a half against the Kings in... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight games. And I know some of them had been, or two of those games he had, or sorry, three of those games he had 27. So it was a very fine margin there, uh, or a very uh, short margin, I was going to say, between the projection and him getting 27 points. But he's done it in nine straight games. I think he's a definitely a matchup uh, mismatch or nightmare as well for the Sacramento Kings. But I don't know who's going to guard him. Um so especially with a total of 245, I think that Kevin Durant can, again, get over this number of 26.5 points here tonight um, as far as um, his points brought here tonight. So I'll look at that. It is at minus 125 currently over on DraftKings, but I think that's the one that kind of stuck out to me. Here's Kevin Durant over 26.5 points here tonight uh, against the Kings in this matchup. Anything else for this game here, Scott? No. Uh, I think I like the Durant play. I thought the line would be closer to 20. Seven and a half, twenty-eight and a half. So I like twenty-six and a half as well. That's basically it. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker's at twenty-nine and a half in this game, and Bradley Beal's at nineteen and a half. I mean, Beal's been, I think, pretty good as of late for the Phoenix Suns, if I'm not mistaken here. But um, yeah, all right. Last game on the board here, Scott. We'll go over to the game between the Detroit Pistons and the L.A. Lakers. Pistons in LA here tonight take on the Lakers. Lakers are a 10 and a half point favorite in this game with a total of 241. Let me double check that um, in this game here tonight. It's up to 242 now. So uh, 242 is a total in this game. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams start here with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, they will be without Quentin Grimes and Isaiah Stewart is going to be out at least through the all-star break as well. For the LA Lakers, the two usual guys are questionable in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, and Max Christie are all out for this game for the Lakers. I know Christie suffered a right ankle sprain in the last game for the Lakers, and then Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt have been out at least for uh, at least a couple weeks here for the LA Lakers. They'll continue to be out in this game. Um, Scott, let's start with the side here. Lakers, a 10.5 point favorite against the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I know the Lakers have been better lately. Uh, so is Detroit. I get that, but the Lakers are not very good at covering big numbers from what I've seen in the past. We mm-hmm. saw it against Charlotte uh, before they made the Hayward trade, or it was right when they did and they were shorthanded. But the Lakers, 88 a triple-double in three quarters, and they still let the Hornets hang around. I think Bridges had like 45 in that game. So I don't trust the Lakers to win by margin ever. So I think the Pistons are actually going to keep this game competitive. The team's been better. 
recently. Uh, Ivy's been allowed to cook a bit more. Uh, we've seen Cade come back. He's been fine. But it's mostly just not wanting to trust the Lakers because this team never makes it easy on themselves. They find ways to win, but they play a pretty ugly brand of basketball, which results in some low-scoring games and some really ugly possessions when they're not shooting 75% in the first half against the Pelicans. Their games tend to be pretty ugly. I'm going to take the points here. I think Detroit's been competitive. The Lakers, I don't know what their numbers are, ATS, when laying double-digit numbers. It's probably horrible, if I had to guess. I'm going to lean to Detroit, plus the 10.5. The line feels a bit disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, you take a look, uh, this <clears throat> Pistons team, they're actually 9-2 and two against the spread over their last 11 games, I believe. And I know they're, what, 8-44 and 44 straight up, but they're actually 26-25 and 25 against the spread. So... Especially recently, like I mentioned, and they've been really competitive. So, like you mentioned, it's the question that is that do you trust the Lakers to lay double digits here? And my answer, I think I agree with you, is that I I I, I don't because I feel like for this Pistons team that Monty Williams has finally figured some things out uh, with this team. It's taken a while, but it's it's starting to work for this team. They they put together some wins. They've stayed competitive, and I think you know anytime. I think something similar that we've talked about that players that go into Madison Square Garden want to put on a show or play better. Um, I think that's same you could say against LA here as well. And again, we talked about that. Some of the depth has been compromised for this Lakers team with, you know, Jared Vanderbilt being out and and uh, Gabe Vincent being out. He's been out for a while, but also um, Max Christie and who's the other guy that's been out? I just mentioned um, Cam Reddish as well. So they've been a little bit, you know, thin on the bench there and you have to play some of the guys that are at the end of the bench for this Lakers team. And we know LeBron and, and at least AD are not going to log those heavy minutes. So I'll lean with the Pistons here as well. Plus the 10 and a half total is at two forty one and a half here. Scott, uh, anything on that? By the way, the uh, Lakers are nine and 10 straight uh, ETS as a home favorite. I don't have their overall record ETS when they're favored by double digits. I just don't have that. Uh, but there okay. are below 500 ATS uh, when uh, being a home favorite. Just keep that in mind. For the total, I understand uh, with the Lakers scoring 139 last game and the Pistons being better offensively. The total feels too high to me. I'm, it might just be because of how the Lakers play. And mm -hmm. when they don't shoot the lights out against the Pelicans, I think that this team offensively is fine. Detroit defensively is not great. They only gave up 112 to the Clippers, though. So there has been some moments. There have been moments recently where defensively they've been okay. I think I'm going to lean under. This line just feels too big to me. First meeting landed 240. That was back in November, though. So I don't know if that means anything. But I'm going to lean under in this one. I just think this number is a bit high based on how ugly some of these Lakers' possessions are. And late in games, if we think it's going to be close, they love to be in the half court. All the time. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to expect them to kill the pace in this game. I'm going to lean under. This line feels a bit steep. Yeah, I mean, Lakers were one of the teams, at least getting back to last season and earlier this season, that was playing with pace. But at least over the last five games, they've fallen right around league average. Actually, both these teams are around our league average. Lakers are tied at number 14 as far as pace with the Clippers. And then the next team right on that list is the Detroit Pistons at number 16. So they're right around league average as far as pace goes. But I think you mentioned it as well that offensively that Lakers are number five um, as far as defense, sorry, offensive rating and the Pistons have actually improved up to number 12. So I, I think it feels like it's a tick too high. There's probably maybe lands right near 240 and just sneaks under this total. 
Um, I think a sneaky play may be the Pistons team total to go over in this game. Uh, I mean, we mentioned, right, they're playing some good basketball right now uh, compared to what was going on early in the season. I mean, they put up 128 against Portland, 133 against the Sacramento Kings. And I mean, how motivated is the Lakers in this game? I think they're really just looking forward to getting to the all-star break and just getting rest for their, you know, their guys and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And, you know, they're missing, like I mentioned, some of the depth pieces there. We're going to have to play some guys coming off of the bench for the LA Lakers. So, um, and again, giving up 122 in a game, you know, where they look really good offensively. I mean, nobody was missing a shot in that game against the Pelicans. Um, so I do think that, you know, we'll see some offense, but I feel like, like I agree with you, Scott, that this might just be a tick too high as far as the total goes in this game. Um, player props. What are you looking at? Well, I also want to mention quickly, the Lakers do play again tomorrow. They play against the jazz on the road. So okay. they might be incentivized to, rest some guys if the game does get out of hand pretty quickly. So I do think that uh, looking at the spot, I'm going to lean to the... uh, I'm trying to think of player props I'm really tempted by. I think the Anthony Davis and Duran match should be a lot of fun. So Mm -hmm. I do think that AD has the better of that matchup. Uh, But the question is, do I want to take AD rebounds? Probably not. Blocks I might be tempted by because I do think the Pistons might attack the rim a lot. And that could result in AD patrolling and getting some blocks. I'm trying to quickly see if I could find his blocks line by itself. That might be a prop I'm tempted by. Let me just quickly check this. Uh, it's two and a half uh, at plus 130. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty appealing. He's had at least three blocks in three of the last four games. He had three blocks against the Pistons earlier this season, despite only playing 29 minutes. So I do think that AD blocks is worth a look at plus 130. As for other props, I'm trying to think of what else I'm tempted by. I saw LeBron threes at one and a half, uh, but the Pistons are randomly decent against the three ball, but LeBron does take a decent amount of them, and he has gone over in nine of the last ten. It's at minus 135. So based on volume, I might not mind LeBron threes, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm really tempted by. I see Asar Thompson mm-hmm. is set at eight and a half rebounds and assists. He had a big game against the Clippers, but besides that, he's gone under in 9 of the last 10, and he's gone under in 15 of the last 20. The line does feel a bit steep at 8.5, especially when his playing time is in the high 20s. I might lean to his under as well. I'm trying to think of if there's anything else I like. Do you like D'Lo in this game? I see that his points prop might be interesting, but recently he's kind of, I don't want to say cooled off, but they've been relying on other guys to step up, like Reeves, for example, mm-hmm. etc., any thoughts on some other maybe points props or just in general? So I agreed about uh, the Anthony Davis rebounding prop. Um, I was looking at his history against the Detroit Pistons, and they actually done pretty well rebounding the basketball uh, against the um, against Pistons. Let me go back to the last couple games here. Um, so he's had the last three games. He's had 16 rebounds, 15 rebounds, and 16 rebounds, and. He's also had 30-plus points against the Pistons in one, two, three, four, five, six, four of the last six matchups against the Pistons. So if you want to look at AD points and rebounds to go over, that might be worth a look. Or if you want to just go rebounds alone, like I mentioned, he's had uh, at least 15 rebounds in three of the last head-to-head matchups uh, against the uh, Detroit Pistons. Um, or if you want to build like a same-game parlay with Jalen Duran rebounds as well, um, he's been he's been a 
monster on the glass for the uh, for the Pistons as well. I think I was kind of looking at Cade's assist in this game or rebounds and assists to go over. Um, he's been doing a pretty good job of distributing the basketball for the Detroit Pistons. His assist number right now, I believe, was at seven, and yeah, it's at seven and a half at minus one thirty. Um, so I think that might be, yeah, I think that might be a little too much for me. But other than that, I yeah, nothing really else stood out as far as player prop. So I agree. I mean, the rebounding prop for Jalen Duran and then Anthony Davis is what I was looking at mainly. But other than that, yeah, not much else for me. You have anything else? No, I think we basically covered it. Hey man, shout out to Anthony. You got our second uh super sticker there. He gave us a ten dollar super sticker. Appreciate you, Anthony. Anthony was the one yesterday. Me and Toro were trying to figure out the round robin, no, the double double parlay between Kessler, Avdia, and Gafford. It was like 44 to 1. Kessler uh, was but, one rebound short, I think. Yeah, and then I think Avdia was like three rebounds short of getting there. So uh appreciate you, Anthony, man. Uh, a ten dollar super sticker there. So hey, we've done pretty good, man. We got fifteen dollars. Uh, today between Jong and Anthony. So appreciate uh, both those gentlemen, uh, you know, uh, dropping that for us. All right. So, Scott, that was the last game on the schedule for the Tuesday card here. Uh, let's get into our lock and dog, and then we'll put together our underdog fantasy entry here for tonight as well. Um, you want to lead us off? Sure. Uh, for the lock, I had a couple of options. A part of me really does want to take Detroit. Uh, the, uh, the Lakers have won each of the last six games, but fun fact, none of them have been by double digits. I mean, besides the last one, sorry, five of the last six have been by single digits. So the point is Detroit historically has been competitive against this team. So I do think the 10 and a half feels a bit high. The question is, do I really want to take it as my lock for the show? I think I am. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to take the Pistons uh, plus the 10 and a half. The line feels too steep to me. If you're only going to be Charlotte by six, at uh, when AD is a triple double in three quarters, I have questions about your ability to actually blow out teams. So it's going to be risky, but I do think the Lakers get it done. Will it be by margin? I'm going to say no. So I'm going to take the points here. The Lakers all season long have been really bad at actually covering double digit spreads of the few times they've been double digit favorites. I think Detroit, with their current form, is good enough to be feisty in this spot. Are they going to win? Maybe. I'm not going to take them to win the game, but I do think based on how they've played, they're still undervalued, and the Lakers are getting a lot of respect for what happened against the Pelicans. They shot basically 80% in the first half, which is almost impossible. That's not going to happen. You could argue they might be already looking ahead later in this game to the Jazz game on Wednesday. Maybe they'll sit some guys in the fourth quarter. We'll see the Pistons make a run late in that quarter for a backdoor cover. Ten and a half, though, that feels a bit steep. I'm going to lean under. This line feels too big. So that's going to be my lock. Pistons plus 10.5. For my dog, I am going to go with a player prop. I am going to go back to the Magic game against the Thunder. Give me Markel Fultz. I'm going to take him over 3.5 rebounds at plus 145. He's been really good rebounding the basketball, just simply put. And I think you're looking at what could be a very good value play. The minutes for Fultz should be somewhere in the low to mid-20s. But Fultz has been... Really good rebound on the ball lately, and I think that he's in line to go over this number since OKC, we know, can't rebound. But to go through the actual rebounding numbers for Fultz, he has gone over this number in each of the last two games. He's had at least five rebounds in each of the last two. Uh, he's had at least four rebounds in four of his last six. 
They faced off one time this season, and Fultz had six rebounds in that game in just 25 minutes of playing time. But plus 145 against a really bad rebounding team when we know Fultz is a pretty good rebounder for a guard. I'm going to take it. Give me Fultz over three and a half rebounds at plus 145. All right. There we go. All right. So for my lock, I'm going to go to that game. I found 150, actually. I'll take the 150. All right. Um, All right. So I'm going to go Miami Heat team total under 107 and a half is a number currently right now on DraftKings. Um, It's at minus 115. Again, we talked a lot about the injuries for the Miami Heat. They'll be without um, Jimmy Butler. They'll be without Terry Rozier. Um, Duncan Robinson is questionable here tonight. You know, he's good for a couple of threes there as well. But I think that for this Milwaukee Bucks team, since the start of the season with Doc Rivers coming over, that defense has now been the focus because we know what they can do offensively. They have the talent on the offensive side. It's where defense they really needed to improve. So I think that continues. And I think it's pretty telling that last night they were able to hold the Denver Nuggets to only 95 points. So I think that carries over here tonight going up against the Miami Heat. Um, and both these defense actually for the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks has been really good. My, Milwaukee over the last five games are all the way up to number nine as far as defensive rating. Miami's at number three. But I do think that they'll be able to limit the offense of the Miami Heat in this game. So I'll take the under team total 107.5 for the Miami Heat. For my dog, um, I think I'm just going to go with Sabonis triple-double. Um, it's at plus 135 right now. Definitely shop around, see if you can find the best number. Um, but we talked about it, right? He's had a triple-double in four of the last five games overall. He's had two straight do- triple-doubles against the Phoenix Suns this season. I think that continues here tonight. It's also telling that his points and sorry, his rebounds and assist combo projection right now is at 22 and a half. So I think that he'll definitely get to the 10 assists mark. I think he'll obviously get to the um the rebounds there as well. So I think that I think that at plus odds here for Demonis Sabonis at plus 135 for his triple double. Uh, I will take that as my dog here for tonight. All right, Scott, let's get over to our underdog fantasy entry here for tonight. And we did get the updated standings because, again, we are competing with the other shows across the network as far as, um, you know, who's going to have the most signups show-wise. So right now we are in second place. We did get four signups. So I appreciate you guys who did sign up uh, for the uh, Underdog Fantasy for a new account using our promo code NBASGPN. Uh, not sure if you guys did shout out Risk Bets. He did slide into the DMs and he did sign up with Underdog Fantasy using our promo code. I think he said he got his brother signed up. So appreciate, um, again, everybody that's been supporting us. So right now we're in second place. We're trailing by two signups uh, on Underdog Fantasy uh for uh i think the fantasy football pod they're at six we're at four we're also going to have some hats and shirts to give away as well uh so if you guys do sign up um i'll make sure the guys who have already signed up will get you guys hooked up with some shirts and hats from underdog family so again make sure you use that promo code nba sgpn help us win this contest uh and appreciate again jong and anthony um you know the donos here tonight and eric Ah, there we go. See, Eric's a man of the people. He's a man of the show. He's an Astros fan. Of course, he's going to help out the show. So he's going to say he's going to be signing up by the end of the week. So again, NBA SGPN, 
Eric, make sure you uh, screenshot that to me either on the Twitter account or into my DMs or even Scott or Terrell's DMs. We'll get you a shout out. We'll try to get you hooked up with some gear as well. All right, Scott, let's get into our underdog fantasy intrigue here for tonight. Where do you want to start? Well, I mentioned Fultz rebounds. I'm assuming it's going to be three flat on underdog, if I had to guess. All right, let me see if I can find it here. Two and a half is like minus 160, and three and a half is plus 150. So I'm assuming that it's going to be three. Fultz is at three, yes. So you want to go higher yeah. on that? I'll go higher on that. I know we talked okay. about the ran points, so I'm assuming we're going to take the ran points on that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one as well. Uh, 26 and a half, we can go higher on that. Um, do you want AD do you against want Detroit? Yeah, I think that's going to be a closer game. So you want to go... You want to go rebounds alone, or you want to go points and rebounds? Uh, what are the numbers? So rebounds alone is at eleven and a half, and then points and rebounds um, combined is at thirty-five and a half. Points alone, twenty-five and a half. Uh, 80s had some games recently though where he just hasn't really looked to score that much. I think I'd rather mm-hmm. take the rebounds. You said he's had rebounds. fifteen plus rebounds in three or three. What is it? Three straight. Three straight. Three straight. Yeah, let me double check so, here before sure. I miss. Uh, give or misinform the listeners here. So yeah, last three games, 38.16 rebounds, 34.15 rebounds and 28.16 rebounds. So sure. uh, we'll go with the higher 11 and a half on Anthony Davis rebounds here tonight. All right. So that's our entry here for tonight. We'll go Markel Fultz, higher three rebounds. We'll go Kevin Durant, higher 26 and a half points. And then we'll go Anthony Davis, higher 11 and a half rebounds. That hundred dollar entry We'll get you a return of $600. Again, make sure you use that promo code NBASGPN. We're trailing by two to the fantasy football pod. So we want to win this month. Um, Eric says who's going to sign up. Rispet signed up uh, last week as well. Um, so appreciate everybody that's helped us out. Signed up with that promo code NBASGP. And again, we'll have some hats and shirts courtesy of Underdog Fantasy to give away as well. So appreciate everybody uh, that is uh, helping us grow the show here and supporting the network. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, once again, I'm taking the Pistons, so what can possibly go wrong? They've been good as double-digit underdogs. Uh, they've covered each of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Each of the last eight games they've covered when getting double digits. So we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully the Lakers are still hung over from the Super Bowl. I know LeBron was in attendance. We'll see if anyone shows up flat for this game. But yeah, either way, it should be a fun slate. Chad tracked which players, NBA players, were at the Super Bowl. I know Harden was there and the Clippers. Is that why lost the Clippers lost? Night. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he had a pretty good game, but again, we don't know if some of the other players were out there as well in Vegas, either at the game or just partying, you know, in Vegas for the Super Bowl, which isn't obviously too far away from LA, but um, maybe something to keep an eye on. Maybe next yeah, year. Le- we'll- LeBron's older though, so there's like a three-day recovery process from Vegas, right? Yeah, at least for uh, LeBron, but he was out there with his wife, so I don't know how much more or how much parting he actually did. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place for the Wednesday slate. Um, So look out for us then. Um, Also, a scheduling update. Uh, Sean and Ryan, they're going to be doing the morning VEASAN show from, I think it's... uh, 7 to 10, I think. 7 to 10 Eastern time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So tune in with the guys then uh, to get your morning started. I may be on with them tomorrow, depending on my schedule. Talk about some NBA as well. But Scott and Terrell, 
We'll be here tomorrow uh, talking about the Wednesday games uh, as usual. So make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can follow me on X as well at SportsNerd824. Um, one more order of business um, before we get out of here, Scott. We got a, a review. I'm not sure if you saw this um, for the NBA Gambling Podcast. The title says, do you like losing? And they left us one star. Then he says, this is the place for you. Player prop picks are consistently bad. Well, sir, you missed out yesterday on our Daniel Gafford uh, rebound ladder win. Um if you tuned in yesterday, and that is one of many that we have given out on this podcast. So for every five great listeners, we do have, there's always one bad apple and the name is goes by liquid Indian. So if you haven't already left us a rating and review, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, uh, do us a favor. If it is one star, hopefully it's five star, leave us a rating and review. We greatly do appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, get it, get it, get it.